0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 17. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. So far our text. God has an interesting picture for us this morning. It says, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar. We think of some of the majestic trees around the world. And the cedar is one of those majestic trees. Very important for everything in life, really, in the Middle East. But also... It has great and wonderful natural values and properties for us as well. Now, those of you who had hamsters, guinea pigs, bunny rabbits, or anything else where you had the cedar shavings at the bottom of the cages, probably grew to not like the smell of cedar. But cedar, that smell, gives a grounding effect, makes us closer to the earth. And there's a purpose for that. God purposely put that in. And he makes it abundantly clear throughout the scripture how important this is. The gopher wood that Noah used to build the ark was a variety of cedar. Otherwise, how is he going to survive over a year in the ark with all of those animals? Without having something to calm him down. But also cedar... Was used for the wooden planks that served as the outline and the frame for the tabernacle, but then also for the walls of the temple. That way, the priests, when they were coming in, could inhale that wonderful fragrance and realize okay, this is why I am here. I'm here to worship the Lord. And so also in some of the older churches, when it was available, the beams holding up the ceiling were also made of cedar to have that same effect. But God says, I will take and break off from the topmost of the cedar one of the young, tender twigs. And this is a great picture. Because this is what God does over and over again through the Bible. With the flood, it was Noah. Just one tender twig that found favor in God's sight. And so was saved with his family in the ark. When God called Israel to become a nation, it had a population of two. 75-year-old Abram, 65-year-old Sarai. Neither No children, no prospects for children. But God said that He would make of them a great nation. And when that great nation became very numerous, and they asked for a king, God gave them Saul from the smallest clan of the smallest tribe. And then when Saul fell out of favor with God, and he he appointed David to take over, David was the youngest of eight brothers. Completely forgotten about when Samuel came in to Jesse's house and said, One of your sons I'm going to anoint to be king. The older seven were there. Young David's still out in the field with the sheep. Completely forgotten. But he was the one. He was the tender twig in the family that would become great and would be king of all Israel. Israel. And then later on, God would show this in much more stark contrast as the ultimate tender twig, Jesus of Nazareth, came from the line of David, so of the royal household, but not living in Jerusalem, not in the king's court, not even living in Bethlehem in the ancestral home living in a tiny little backwater village, being born to a carpenter. A very tender twig, indeed, that then is plucked off of there and placed on a cross, planted on the rocky top of a mountain. And as those of us who have gardened before, when you try to plant something inside a rock, it doesn't work. Nothing grows there. But God says this twig will grow. And so he takes the twig, plants it on top of the rocky skull of Golgotha, and that dead tree truly becomes a tree of life. Very much like Jesus will say in his parable of the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But when it grows up, it becomes larger than all of the garden plants. And this can only be done by God's caring for that tiny seed. Just like Jesus hanging on the cross only helps us if God is doing something with it. Because God didn't do anything with the other two who were crucified on Jesus left and right. They were just plain, ordinary crucifixions. Just like thousands of others that happened over the time of the Roman Empire. But that one tender twig becomes a great and noble cedar. Why? Because it was God's will to plant him in the rock and to break open that rock. He says, I will plant it that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become that noble cedar. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the Roman soldiers, the chief priest, and everybody else thought, okay, it's over. Just another day for the soldiers, just another day at the office. For the chief priest. just another Messiah wannabe gotten rid of. But God says, I'm taking this tree that you consider dead and dry, and I'm making it a life-giving tree that bears branches, in the form of all the congregations around the world that produce fruit, which is you and me. Each of us bearing the fruit of our faith as it is given to us, supplied through the branches, ultimately coming from the root placed in the rock. That tree, one of three erected on that hill, It isn't even all that big of a mountain compared to the rest of the hills in Jerusalem. But that one tender twig made that the loftiest mountain. Made it the highest mountain that has ever existed. Because there, tender twig that everybody thought was dead and dry and gone became the tree of life that gives life to you and to me not just for the 70, 80, 90, years we might live walking this earth, but life everlasting. David says in Psalm 1, The blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. As John says, sees in Revelation, he sees the vision of the new Jerusalem coming down and right in the middle of it is the tree of life. That tree that Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden so they wouldn't eat from. Having already eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God kicked them out so that they would not eat from the tree of life and live forever in their sins. Because there was another tree of life He was bringing. Whose leaf doesn't wither. Whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. Healing of both body and soul. And God does this all of His own free will. As He says at the end of our reading from Ezekiel this morning, I bring low the high tree, and make the high tree low. Dry up the green tree And make the dry tree flourish. For most everyone in the Roman world. In the first couple of centuries. After Jesus' crucifixion. The idea of worshipping somebody who was crucified. Is about as ridiculous sounding to them. As for 21st century Americans Believing in a God who died in the electric chair. I mean, crucifixions were for the worst of the worst. Just as we use the death penalty in whatever form. As the punishment for the worst of the worst. That low tree. That very lowest of everything. God made to be the most important tree. The low tree he made high by making the green tree dry. As Jesus is carrying that same cross out to Golgotha, women are lining the street weeping. And he says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For if they do this when the tree is green, what are they going to do to the dry tree? If we, in our sins, have chopped down the perfect green tree of Jesus, what is Jesus going to do with our die, our, our dead, dry tree? He brings it back to life again, by giving his life in order that you may have His. David writes, in all that he does, he prospers. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Even dying, he prospers. Because his death is not for him. His death is for you and me. His death is not the end of something. It's the beginning of the fulfillment of the story of salvation. And it is that with which Paul writes to the Corinthians that we would further be clothed. That we would find this to be more and more desirous to be clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness. That what is dead and dying inside us would be swallowed up by his life. And that swallowing up is nowhere better said than at the end of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because God has made a dry tree of a cross into the tree of life, much like that mustard tree where all the birds of the air can make nest and find refuge in it, where you and I find refuge in His shade being able to cast all of our burdens onto Him, knowing that He has taken them all, and He has relieved us of all of them. And instead of condemning us for being dry and dead, in His goodness and His mercy, He brings us back to life, making our dry trees flourish so that we may bear fruit, so that others may find refuge in Him as well. Amen.